What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out Liberty Ballers as we get set for the start of NBA training camp. Joining me, one of the best in the business, ESPN's Brian Windhorst. Brian, first, I got to ask, after the crazy condensed offseason and the bubble time last year, plus this year you you covered the playoffs, went over to Tokyo you know, during the pandemic. How has everything been for you this offseason? And, and are you finally getting a chance to get some downtime or no? Yeah, I mean, um, this has been the last three, four weeks has been like the best time in a long in a long while, even though we're still under some restrictions at least i am i'm restricting uh, myself um and i gotta tell you the league was pretty much on hiatus i know that there were some things that went on including in the sixers world but um the last week or so of august and the first week of september like you couldn't find anybody in the league that was like i think the first hard shutdown that the league has had since we were in lockdown (laughs) And so, um, you know, it's just getting sort of restarted and starting to focus on next season. Obviously, you know, the Sixers have had a little bit of stress. It's not been quite the same for them. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the kind of the the league shutting down. We saw that a little bit in the NHL as well, where some of the GMs were saying it's just been a downtime and and a dead period. So you weren't seeing a ton of action in, in terms of trade talk and uh, contracts and and any of that stuff. But you had mentioned this on the jump on, on Tuesday uh, during the show that, you know, Ben really has said that, He's told Philly it's not his job to fix his trade value. But when you're looking at this from that perspective, that the league hasn't been as as active, how much do you think that's impacted the trade talks between the Sixers and any other suitors for Simmons at this point? I mean, here's the thing that I, um, you know, so this is something that happens all the time in the NBA. And I mean, um, you know, we're guilty of losing perspective of this in the media as well. But let me just bring this up that just because the the public finds out about something it doesn't necessarily mean that the um, that the player or team is on the same time frame. What I might, what I mean by that is, I think there's like this um, belief that now that the that Ben's feelings have gotten public, that there's an impetus to trade him. Um, I mean, I'm sure the Sixers received some uptick in in conversations after um, you know his intended holdout got out there, but they've been dealing with this sort of hanging over the team for months now. And they operated through their off season trade discussions, knowing all of this. So it's not like just because this happened, all of a sudden there's going to be this rush. Um, uh, You know, if it, if anything, it probably um, made a trade a little bit more difficult because it damaged his value a little bit more. So at least in the, at least in the short term, so that's one thing to keep in mind as you evaluate, you know, how this is going to play out. And, um, you know, I, I have to say, uh, having a little bit of experience covering holdouts, although 
you know, if the guy isn't under contract, it's technically not a holdout. Um, but, you know, um, when, I, when I was covering the Cavs, there was a number of those that happened. I think four guys held out, um, you know, while I was covering the Cavs. Um, and a couple of them were Rich Paul clients. And I can just tell you that this process is something where it's a lot of hurry up and wait, where there's a lot of urgency that's being felt by the fan base. And that's the purpose of a holdout is to force urgency. And so the team's reaction to it is usually patience. And that's why these things, you know, go this way. You had mentioned, like I said, during, you know, that, okay, looking at just Ben Simmons value around the league, you know, he's obviously a very talented player. I think that gets lost sometimes where, where people are saying, Hey, you know, let's just move him." It's like, well, no, the guy's a three-time all-star two-time all defensive uh, NBA first team guy. He, he has a ton of talent again, fit wise might not be ideal with the way the Sixers are constructed, but he does have, he is able to play and he's an impactful player. I mean, you look at the, the Sixers last year, looking at the on off court stats, they were a better team with him on the court. So when you're looking at this and I don't want to compare him to Harden, obviously James Harden, who was you know, dealing with still showed up to play for the Rockets, but uh, on a talent level, but what is Simmons value around the league? Just from what you're hearing and what you've gathered is, is, is Maury really asking for, for too much or, or is it where, where do people like executives value Simmons and where do they put them kind of in the pecking order of the league? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you just said, he's 25 years old. He's a three-time All-Star, and he's under a contract for four more years with no outs. Um, that is a unicorn availability. The, these types of players do not become available very often, um, especially under those contract terms. You know, really, it's 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 hard to, you know, it's really hard to get any player uh, who's 25 who's that kind of quality of player. Um, even Even a high-quality role player at 25, years old is a hard uh, player to get. Usually you're going to have to pay through the nose for that um, because youth is so, is so valued. I mean, this, the contract that he is in right now will probably be the most valued contract of his career because he will be past his learning stage um, of his rookie deal. And he won't be on the richer contracts that theoretically, I don't know if they will, but theoretically will come later. This is the honeymoon phase um, of a player's career. It's highly desirable. So the concept that they can't trade uh, Ben is not true. Of course they could trade Ben. They could trade Ben in the next 90 minutes if they decided they were just going to uh, accept some sort of trade. Um, he, of course, has value. He just doesn't have value that equals what the Sixers uh, want. And, you know, just, you know, I don't know if you, or I'm sure a lot of the listeners have sold a house or sold a car in their lives. Um, you know, when you have something that is important to you and that, you know, you only get, uh, you know, you know, you're not going to have an opportunity to make these types of trades very often, you know, you want to get it right. You know, if your house is for sale, you're, you're going to have a certain standard that you need to do. And, you know, you're going to approach it that way. You're going to approach it with the way you price it and approach it with the way you negotiate it. And that's kind of how this is that, you know, this is in a lot of ways selling a house. So, um, you know, uh, in the teams that I talked to that talked to Philly over the summer, Oh, the asks were, you know, it's going to be different, you know, each, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, my bosses asked me, they go, well, what are people asking for? What's the ask? Is it, is a 36 unprotected first round picks or is it, is it 24 unprotected? And I'm like, well, it, you know, there's nuance here. It depends on the team. 
you know, some teams asks are going to be draft pick related. Some team asks are, asks are going to be um, uh, uh, player related. So it, it just, but, you know, when I talked to teams, they were like, you know, we made offer. We made an, I, I, I was talking to one team. Uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to say, I don't want mm-hmm. even want to give too many details here, but I was talking to one team and I heard, you know, kind of what their offer was. And I thought, you know, that's not that bad of an offer. Uh, and he said, you know, we didn't get out, even get out of the batter's box. It was just like, okay, thanks, and have a nice day. And so, like, they got the impression that, you know, either Daryl really was holding out for a huge number or, you know, huge value, or he wasn't seriously looking to trade him. He was going through the motions of trying to look to trade him um, with the intention of actually waiting until later. And so that's why I think, you know, Ben understood that. Um, and it's like, well, look, if you're going to act that way, I'm going to, you know, that's a chess move. Let me make this chess move back. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of these things that happens in the league and, and people are, are especially because nothing's happening right now, but people are fascinated by it and they're obsessed with it. Um, but this, uh, this sort of stuff happens in the league often. It has happened for decades. It'll happen for decades more. Well, as you mentioned off the top too about how dead the period's been, it's like NBA fans are starving for news right now. So this is kind of the the big thing that that's sticking out, I think, nationally um, when you're looking at it from a basketball perspective. But you know, you were you were mentioning there with the situation the Sixers are in, and and I think you know we can all agree it would be surprising if he, you know, I know he's saying it, but it'd be super surprising I think if he did ever show back up in Philly and, and wanted to play, given what's taken part uh, taken part over the last you know three four months here. But when you're looking at um, the position that the Sixers are in, Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, they got an MVP guy in candidate in uh, MVP guy, part of me and Joel Embiid's 27 years old, still in the prime of his career. You have Toby Harris, a fringe all-star guy, depending on the situation. But then you have Ben Simmons, who was kind of be, supposed to be the second guy there. So when you're looking at this and you had mentioned for the position that the Sixers are in, and, and obviously in the NBA, usually you don't see a star for star trade. We have recently, you know, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, but you don't really see that too often but when you're looking at this do you think the way the Sixers are going to handle this is maybe take a a package that'll be based on futures in the hope to make another deal at some point during the season or is is from what you're gathering and 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 from your personal feelings do you think they're going to more look at okay we're going to try and 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 get another star in here because we have a guy like Embiid on the roster already well I mean you look at what Daryl Morey's done his whole career he's hunted stars Harden Howard uh Chris Paul uh, Westbrook, he tried to trade for Harden again. He's hunted. He's hunted stars. That's what he wants, um, you know. And that's so. That's what he's doing. And you know, I think a big thing for the Sixers fans to watch is the first week of October. Um, Bradley Beal becomes eligible to sign an extension. Um, there's no short-term deadline on it. It's not like a rookie extension where you have to. Um, make the move by the end of October, he could theoretically sign an extension June 30th, 2022, you know, um, but um, whether or not Beal signs that extension, I think is going to frame, you know, I think if the season starts and he hasn't extended, you know, I think the, it frames uh, the transaction game for the upcoming season. People are going to be watching that like a hawk trying to pry Bradley Beal out. And if he doesn't extend, people are going to be, have their eyes on that. And so if you're the Sixers, you know, you're probably, unless somebody knocks you over with an offer, you're probably waiting for that at the very least, just to see, not that that you could trade Simmons for Beal straight up, but I mean, it's only responsible to wait for something like that. And it's, 
you know, it's, you know, I, I've been saying that I think one of the things that's going to be a factor here is how uh, Tyrese Maxey looks in preseason and early season. If he is the type of player that we, we saw flashes of in the playoffs and in summer league, and he can hold his own um, and the Sixers can be, you know, a, a potent team with him getting starter minutes at that position, you know, and I mean, you know, Shake Milton, you know, he has moments, you know, he, he didn't have a great second half last year, but you know, if they can get productive play out of that and keep their head above water, perform at a, at a reasonable level, I don't see the reason to rush it. Cause if you don't like, you know, if you don't like what your hand is now, there's no reason to make a trade just to make a trade. Um, you might as well just wait it out. And I think that's what um, that's what Simmons realizes too. And that's why we're in this situation. Brian, you mentioned Bradley Beal and it's kind of jumping into my next question. Uh, let's get into that after a short break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. Just before the break there, Brian, you were mentioning uh, Bradley Beal. And I wanted to ask you, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, those are the two names like in terms of big stars that we've heard could become available nothing set in stone yet uh Lillard you know has recently said on Instagram live that he's in Portland for now and and he doesn't really plan on 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 changing that in the immediate future but when you're looking at at those two guys is there is there a scenario where where they will become available at some point earlier or do you think that you know Dame's going to let things play out in Portland see how the team does under Chauncey and and kind of react to that then and like you mentioned with Bradley Beal if he signs that extension uh you know how how likely is it that you think that either of those two guys would become available in the short term or is that going to be something you're looking at maybe near the deadline no idea no idea I mean obviously if Beal signs the extension he's not going anywhere Mm -hmm. um and you know there's there's two or three other star level players that are sort of on the watch list in the league. And I'm not going to talk about it right now. Cause I don't need aggregation to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but there's two or three guys on the list right now that um, NBA teams are watching. Like, uh, is there going to be some turbulence there? Could they become available? And I'm sure the Sixers are quite aware of that. And they may even have a longer list than two or three. And so again, if you don't, you know, if you don't like your, now, this is not poker. You don't have to play the hand. You can throw the whole hand away and wait for another hand. And, you know, if Maxi is playing well and Shaker is playing well and then they're winning games, he can just sit there and wait for the, the thing to develop, whether that's Beal or Lillard. I mean, the thing about, you know, Portland is, um, you know, I, I you know, I kind of got the, you know, Dave kind of wanted them to go all in on a trade. Um, he wanted, you know, a Chris Paul type trade. He wanted a uh, hardened type trade where, you know, they just threw all their picks and all their assets in and, you know, go get me a running mate, you know, go, go make this happen. And, um, you know, there wasn't a trade to be done, but now that they've done this Larry Nance trade, the protections that they've put on that Larry Nance trade, they really can't make a trade like that. Um, you know, the, the pick is protected and it rolls over that they sent to Chicago in that trade. And so like they can't make a trade where they send out three first round picks. 
So, you know, the, the door for Portland to make a home run move is, you know, sort of closed. I mean, you know, yes, I mean, you can all run to the trade machine with CJ McCollum, but this is one thing I always say when, when, when people talk about trading, you know, star players like that. Well, if you're going to trade CJ McCollum, great, you know, show me 15 trades, whatever, but the player you get back has got to be better than CJ McCollum, right. For you to be, to be, to you to improve or fit differently. So, um, but uh, so, you know, it's, it's just, it's just hard to say, you know, the, the thing with Lillard that is interesting is that he is eligible for a con believe it or not, even though he's just starting the supermax, he is eligible for a contract extension next summer. So um, he stopped short of demanding a trade um, now. And depending on how the season goes, I think the next, as I sit here and, and project it, the next pressure point I see is heading into that option. Would the Blazers offer it, you know, because he's going to be pretty up there in age at that time, you know, and if they don't, will he make that an issue, you know, um, but maybe something will happen in the interim, but um, uh, you know, I think Daryl, you know, the one thing about Daryl, you know, watching him work now for, I think he got hired in Houston in 2005. So I've watched him work uh, for 15, 16 years. He's, he's one of these guys who's kind of always a step ahead. You know, Sam Presti's like that too. Um, and by the way, when you talk to these guys, when you talk to Daryl, when you talk to Sam, you sense that, you know, you sense, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not revealing what they're doing, but you know, they're working on something and you're like, there's something going on here. Um, and there's other guys in the league who are like that too, but those guys, especially. And, um, so Daryl's, he's got a plan. I promise you, I promise you that while when, when, when they were in that meeting, uh, whatever it was a couple weeks ago, and they got the message, he's going to hold out. I'm sure that Daryl was disappointed, but I'm sure he was prepared for it. I'm sure he's got a plan and it may not totally work out, but, um, you know, this is why they're paying him, you know, significant money, you know, around, you know, at or close to eight figures a year, uh, to do this job, uh, is to execute situations like this. And so he'll, he'll play the game. And, um, you know, he'll have the, all the angles thought out as it develops. You mentioned, you know, we were talking there about, about, about Portland and, and Washington being possible destinations. Again, like no clue yet how, how that's all going to play out. But you're looking at some of the teams that have been mentioned. You know, uh, Mark Stein of, of the New York Times reported that the Cavaliers are, are still trying to circle the waters and, and see what happens there. You've also heard about Minnesota being a possible place that, that Simmons can end up. Uh, Toronto, you know, Golden State. We've heard so many different teams that, that could have, you know, maybe been a possible landing spot for him. Uh, one, and you know, from what you heard, did any, I know you mentioned before that some teams didn't get anywhere out of the batter's box, as you said, but when you're, when you're saying that, did any of those teams get, get far? And, and even if you look at, you know, Simmons ending up there, how likely is it that he might go to, and I don't, you know, to a smaller market team like a Minnesota or a Cleveland, or is that kind of just what Daryl Morey's working with at, at this point in, in time? And like you said, that, that could change very well over the next 90 minutes could change over the next 90 days. We don't know. Again, I don't mean to, you know, be evasive or try to like you know you know mwahaha you know but there are two or three other small market teams that i know that are interested and i just i can't say it right now because mm -hmm. i just i can't get aggregated because it'll rain fire down on my life for the next 72 hours okay? <laughs> fair enough yeah <laughs> so um but the reason that small market teams especially are interested in him 
uh, in Cleveland and Minnesota, obviously Minnesota, it's well known, Cleveland to a certain extent, is because those teams, teams that can't get a 25-year-old star to sign with them in free agency, this is like a free agent move. You don't get him where he can walk after a year or maybe he's got one year plus a player option on his contract and you know that the clock is going to start ticking as soon as his introductory press conference ends. Four years, no outs. Uh, and not only that, I think you'd agree. I think most Sixers fans would agree. If you've got a team that is in the middle of the pack, adding a player like Ben Simmons immediately would elevate you. You know, the, the, Sixers, the, the Sixers' problems with Ben are that he isn't able to deliver in the highest value, highest pressure moments. But if you're a team that isn't going to sniff the second round for three or four years, no matter what, you might as well look at the opportunity that um, that, that, that a guy like Ben would give you and, and you cash in some chips for him. So, you know, absolutely he has value to, to, to small markets like that and, and small markets in particular uh, that have interest. And, um, you know, in, in a way it's like a free agent move. And instead of, instead of trading away, you know, you know, trading away picks or whatever to clear cap space, you'd be trading away picks and pieces to, to get, you know, him, it's, 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 it's not an opportunity that comes around very often, which is why they're going to be able to trade it. You know, you know, there, you know, there's going to be something that comes along. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, how the angles play out, uh, you know, as the season, you know, gets going. You mentioned Rich Paul and, and Clutch Sports, and you know, I'll be honest, among Sixer fans, not exactly the most popular group or agency, just given, you know, what's happened here and, and some of the r- rumors about the Tyrese Maxey stuff. Uh, again, I'm not going to say what's, what's, what's true or not, but when you're looking at this and, you know, keeping in perspective that Rich Paul as an agent is A, either doing what his client wants him to do or B, what he thinks is in the best interest of his client, whether, you know, to make more money, get him in the right situation. Um, just ar- around the league is the perception, like what is the perception of dealing with Clutch Sports? Is it just like any other of the of the big uh, big agencies part of me like CAA or anybody else like is it just kind of like or no you could have some extra issues not in terms of issues that aren't you know normal I would say in professional sports but is there any sort of perception about clutch sports in general just dealing with them from around the league let me just say something about uh Maxi um you know I've known Rich for a really long time and uh we've been through dramatic situations together whether i'm covering a dramatic situation uh quite a few couple of holdouts um or whether he is angry at me about something or i am pressing him about something you know we've been through some some stuff and the rich paul that i know uh for a long time he is all about business um you know if you get into a intense negotiation with him or he has to declare uh you know war over a player and demand to trade or whatever and you go through that and then the next week you have to deal with one of his other players he doesn't in my in my experience with him he one doesn't have to do with the other he's he's always been that way um i've told the story many times but um you know he was part of the representation team for lebron at caa when when they engineered the big three in Miami and rich was at the first game in Cleveland um, doing CAA business. The first Cavs game back after LeBron left, he was in Cleveland. Um, And, you know, 
that's because he's a businessman. So the concept that he doesn't want, um, uh, he doesn't want, you know, Maxi to stay in you in in uh, in Philly because he's unhappy with what's going on with Ben Simmons. First off, that's bad business because if it works for Maxi, it works for Maxi. And secondly, that's not who he is. And uh, anybody who's dealt with him, um, you know, in a business setting would know this. So whatever perception is out there from teams, um, that concept is, is just not right. And, you know, you look at, a, you know, I understand why fans don't like him. I mean, you know, I, I was an Indians fan as a kid and, um, you know, I would see, you know, all the Indians, the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians uh, players, you know, their star players get uh, pulled away. You know, Albert Bell gets signed away. Jim Tomey gets signed away. Manny Ramirez, CC Sabathia used to drive me crazy. And I would, I would dislike their agents, you know, Scott Boris or Jeff Morad or whoever, those agents were just doing right by the player. Right. So, (laughs) you know, if you look at, if you look at um, Anthony Davis, as an example, Anthony Davis was not happy with the team that they built for him in new Orleans and new Orleans never in the history of their franchise has ever spent into the luxury tax. Okay. So here's Anthony Davis saying they're not building the winner for me now. And even if we really got good, I don't think they would ever, you know, spend the level that you need um, to, to, you know, to, to compete for multiple championships. And, you know, he, you know, he wanted to sign a huge contract, but he wanted to, he wanted to have his bird rights with the team he was signing. So he could, he could guarantee himself the extra 45 or 50 million. So he hired Rich Paul and within 18 months, he was in Los Angeles with a ring and a five-year max contract. That is Rich Paul's work product. Uh, and, and like you can give me two hours worth of explanations about why it worked out or, or it wasn't in him or it was about LeBron or blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. He got it done. Okay. And so, um, and, you know, the fans of New, you know, and so you'd say, you know, well, you know, he, he's, he, you know, he's a, he, he'll never want anybody in New Orleans again. No, he'll, he'll, he doesn't care. He'll, he'll do business with New Orleans. But I'll tell you what, if he's got another star in New Orleans in the future, um, he would say to them, you know, I don't think this team's going to spend into the luxury tax. And, you know, he would do, if, if that's what the player wants, he would do it again. And in the case of Ben Simmons, you know, it's very clear that Ben personally doesn't want to be in Philly. And, and Rich may not believe that this, that this path is the best path in a vacuum, but if his player says, I don't want to be in Philly, get me out of Philly, Rich will execute what the player wants. And so uh, I'm not saying he's infallible. I'm not saying that he hasn't uh, made mistakes and, and encouraged players to take risks that have not have that backfired, but he is executing his job as agent. You know, he doesn't have anything personal against Philadelphia. He doesn't have anything personal against Doc Rivers or Joel Embiid. I'm sure they don't like him right now, you know, but, uh, you know, you know, I know that like Joel Embiid, you know, fired his agent and, you know, you know and some agents went and pitched him. And I, I highly doubted he was going to sign with Rich um, <laughs> after he, you know, let's see it, you know, he parted ways with CAA. Um, but, you know, Rich would have, you know, would have represented him, you know, squarely. And so, you know, anybody who, you know, wants to take shots at him or whatever, fine. I mean, I think he's got 15 or 17 uh, clients in the league. 
um, he's got those clients because those guys aren't looking at what the fans are saying or what the teams are saying. They're looking at what he did for Anthony Davis. You know, they're looking at, you know, some of the, some of the contracts he's been able to get his guys. And, you know, guess what? He's whiffed on some and, you know, go, go do 15 of every, of anything, go, you know, cut your lawn 15 consecutive times. Is it going to be perfect every time? No, you're going to screw up, do anything 15 times. It's not going to always work out. So um, that's just the reality of it. And so, um, you know, I do think because he lacks the respect of an agent who has worked his way up the traditional path or an agent who's faceless and nameless, like, how many Sixers fans do you think could pick, um, you know, Jeff Schwartz out of a lineup? Mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff Schwartz is, you know, one of the most powerful men in the NBA. He's got a, a much deeper client list than Clutch Sports does. Jeff Schwartz of Excel Sports. He's the number one agent in terms of volume in the league right now. I mean, Mark Bartlestein uh, of Priority Sports in Chicago. Bartles, Priority Sports dwarfs Clutch Sports in terms of number of players. Um, Excel is one of the biggest uh, companies, uh, sports management companies in the world. I mean, they represent NFL quarterbacks and, and, you know, PGA pros and, you know, CAA, obviously one of the biggest representation companies in the world, you know, um, how many people could pick Austin Brown or Aaron Mintz out of a lineup? Do you think those guys haven't done power plays before? Um, you know, it's just rich happens to be high profile because of relationship with LeBron. And as a result, and I know I've droned on here, but I just, I, I see rich taking fire and I'm like, well, you know, this isn't something that another, you know, if Ben Simmons represented, like if Ben Simmons, you know, couldn't get rich to do this, he would just would have fired rich and hired somebody else who would have done this exact same thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I mentioned, and you're saying there, that's, that's the job of an agent. And, and like you said, I don't think they would, they would do it personally. And I'm with you on that too. Cause I mean, when I was reading that, those rumors, I'm kind of like, well, you know, if, unless Maxie's telling him he doesn't want to be there, likely he's not going to be doing that. Cause he knows that contract could come with the Sixers last, last couple of questions here for you, Brian, before we, before we do wrap up, uh, you know, just looking back at that, at that playoff series loss against the Hawks and, and how it all went down. Was that, was it more like in your opinion and from what you heard? Uh, and again, I know you, you don't want to delve too much um, information if, if, if it gets there, but just looking at this, the circumstances between Simmons and the Sixers, where did things kind of go off the rails at all of it a little bit earlier because he had heard his name mentioned as a part of a, a you know package to get James Harden to Philly? Was it or was that kind of the way Doc Rivers and, and what we've heard that? And the reports, you know, they're saying that, you know, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid wasn't happy with what he heard in that, you know, post game. Uh, press conference but when you're looking at that was that kind of the boiling point for them and 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 for Simmons and he was like I'm ready to walk or was it just kind of that that series loss and the way it was handled that he lost faith not lost faith part of me not only in the coach but kind of in the organization as well and I I'll never forget just sitting there watching that game and he passed up that shot and I'm not one of these guys who you know will will, will you know say that there's you know you know moments that define relationships or whatever, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys who, you know, tries to build up drama, like stuff like that, but boy, in that moment was I flabbergasted and, you know, they didn't lose that game because of that play, uh, regardless of what Joel said. And I will say this about Joel, even though I love his game 
Um, and I, I really stumped for him for MVP for a long time last year. Um, Cause I just thought he's having such a phenomenal season. He's, he's known to, to pass the old buck, uh, you know, when it comes to it. And, you know, Ben was a convenient target. It wasn't like he played his best basketball uh, in that time either. I mean, it was amazing that he was able to play with that knee injury, but um, you know, him passing up that shot made him the complete scapegoat of that loss, whether that was fair of that whole series loss, whether that was fair or not. And his performance in the fourth quarter of those games, I mean, you can't have a player who's afraid in that moment, especially a player who you're relying on. And so when that happened, I was just like, you know, Ben's time with the Sixers is, you know, there's more time. He's had more time in the past than he's going to have in the future (laughs) because, you know, there's just no way you recover from something like that. And, you know, I know people have made a lot about what Doc said, and certainly maybe it irritated Ben a lot and it hurt that relationship or whatever. But, you know, I see people saying that um, Doc saying that hurt uh, Ben's value. Uh, no, everybody in the NBA knew exactly what was going on there. Um, I'll never forget. I was, you know, covering, I say that in quotes because in the zoom era of last season, it was hardly like playoff series that I'd covered, but I was covering the wizard series. And what I mean by that is I was quote unquote going to all the press conferences and post games and stuff like that. And I still remember, um, I can't remember which game it was after might've been after the loss, but I can't remember. And it was an off day and doc started his press conference and he spent the first 10 minutes of his press conference, I think unprompted defending Ben. Like, I think because of like talk show stuff. And I was like, wow, like, um, okay. You know, like, you know, he, you know, (laughs) I was like, whatever, Um, you know, and that to me was, him you know knowing how fragile ben you know was at that time and trying everything he possibly could to buck him up um so you know it's not like the sixers didn't know that there was an issue there but him not taking that shot it's just it's crossing the rubicon it's just it, it it just it just undercuts your faith in that guy in those types of moments. And it's just hard to come back from that. And so, um, you know, obviously, and I, I'd have to go back and review it. You know, there were other guys who didn't get it done in that series, um, you know, and, and that, that even happened before game seven. But, you know, it, just the way it all lined up, it was just, it was very easy to, to put it on Ben. Yeah, given given you know that he's a number one overall pick, and and given his stature, just in, t- in terms of being on the team, you know, arguably the the second best player in terms of just talent behind Joel and and what he bought, and I think you know like you're saying when he passed that up to Thibault, and and you know people just lost confidence in him, and yeah, like you said, I think you know once once that kind of occurred, looking at the situation now, it's like you know this is done because I was under the impression you know maybe a month ago that I was like maybe he still shows up to camp and they try and you know figure it out. Um, or he does, you know, kind of what Harden did that, Hey, I'm just here. And maybe that situation would have got contentious and, and the Sixers would have been forced to moving. But I mean, he, you know, doing his power play now, uh, like you mentioned that he's going to hold out. And, and you, the know, Sixers... you know, one thing I wonder, I I'm just totally speculating on this. I have no inside information whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. 
I wonder if there were no fans like there was a year ago at the start of the season. I wonder if he would have come. Hmm. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like Harden didn't have to deal with the wrath of the fans. Uh, I mean, he had to deal, you know, people were destroying him on, uh, you know, through media, social and, and mass. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he didn't have to deal with that. I mean, uh, I, I really just think Ben doesn't want to play in front of the fans again. I think that's, I think that's a huge, it's a huge, you know, there's, there's a number of reasons why he doesn't want to play there, but I think, I just don't think he wants to play in front of the fans again. And um, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know if that's, you know, good or bad. I mean, some, some people could say, you know, that's that passion is what, you know, makes Sixers basketball, you know, special, but um, I, do, I do think that's a factor. He just, you know, or if like the Sixers were playing all road games, like if they were, um, if they were something like the Raptors and they were like planned to play in Florida. Yeah. I wonder if he, <laughs> <laughs> he would have been okay. Like, right? I, I, like I'm, I'm just speculating, but I really do think that that aspect of it is painful for him. And the fact that doc, you know, knew, you know, nobody is going to know the situation better than doc. The fact that doc, and I, and I know he did it repeatedly during the season. I know he was all year long defending Ben and, you know, he's the best defensive player and he blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the fact that he would have to come and use, you know, a press conference in the playoffs to buck up his, uh, you know, all-star, you know, number one overall pick max player. I think it, it said a lot about where they thought he was mentally, even back then in the wizard series. Yeah. That's something that, you know, some of the fans in, in our community at, at Liberty Ballers has been talking about, you know, just in the comments and stuff, just, okay. You know, this was kind of apparent, you know, maybe he didn't want to live up to what it was and maybe he didn't have the mindset in order to be an alpha dog, but the talent is there. And, you know, we talked about that in the beginning of this, just that, you know, how good he is and, and what he could bring to a team. It just, maybe that marriage, it's time for it to end. And, and, and that happens in life, you know, as we've seen, uh, you know, relationships end and, and people need to move on. So I think that's where we're at with the Sixers too. final one for you before we wrap up here, looking around the NBA, it was so interesting to see, you know, like it was great to see. I mean, from my perspective, I will say a team like Phoenix, um, you know, not a large, not a terribly small market in the bigger scheme of things, but not considered a glory NBA franchise by any means. And then you got Giannis and the bucks in the final, just looking around the NBA in your opinion, is, is there a feeling from, from certain organizations that, you know, this might be the time to go for it. Obviously we knew the warriors and, and the Cavs. there were, you know, that was like, uh, you know, the sun's going to shine again tomorrow. That was the feeling that that's going to be the, the, the finals mm-hmm. for that stretch that it was, but you're looking around the, the NBA, you know, the Lakers made some moves to get Russell Westbrook and some other proven talent. Uh, the Mavericks, you know, could take another step with, with Luca leading the way there. And then in the East, you obviously got the three headed monster in Brooklyn and you got the defending champs in the bucks, but is there, you know, when you're looking at this, do you think some organizations are looking at, Hey, let's just make a run for this and, and, and try and, and, and get a title during this time. Cause the Raptors were able to do that too in, in 2019 and, and nobody would have thought the Raptors before they got Kawhi Leonard would have eventually won a championship. Right. You know, I think, you know, we are in a period here where there's, er, there hasn't been a, uh, uh, t- you know, since the Warriors dynasty or we know whatever you want to call it ended, you know, we've seen three different teams win three different consecutive years. And um, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that um, uh, you could talk to, you know, 12 or 15 people who like really know the league, whether it's fans or whether it's players or even executives or media and say, Hey, give me your final four right now. You know, who's, who's your conference finalists in each conference. And you could get 10, 12 different combinations. And those folks could all defend their, their picks, you know, Oh, Atlanta's going to make it because of ABC, you know, no, uh, you know, I think uh, Milwaukee will be back. No, I think uh, Miami will do it. 
no, Utah, you know, Phoenix, no, Denver, wait till Jamal Murray comes back. No, uh, Clay Thompson's going to be going to be fresh and better than ever. You know, well, but Kawhi's going to come, he's going to surprise the world and come back in, in March. You know, like, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a case to be made for a lot of teams. And there's a couple of teams with that are, that are, you know, contenders that are huge question marks. I would say the teams with the two biggest question marks in the league are Golden State and, and Philly. Um, what is Golden State going to be? You know, what is Clay going to be? What are those young guys going to give them? What is the combination of, uh, you know, Clay and Steph? You know, will they make a midseason trade? Will they use Wiggins and their young guys? Can they can they make a big big move? And you've got Philly. You know, what happens with Ben? You know, I mean, like you could convince me that things will fall just away that Philly will win 58 games and get the number one seed and, and be, you know, definitely in the final four. You could convince me that Embiid gets hurt, Simmons doesn't show up, and they're fighting for the seven seed. You know, I mean, I, both of those things are plausible. Um, so this year, we, de- we definitely have a year where we're not sure. Now, I think the fans in Brooklyn believe that their team healthy and going to have a training camp and they're going to be able to put their feet on the ground from the start is going to be a wrecking ball. And they very very well may be, but the the dynamics of that team uh, will make others believe that they'll be able to beat them. And so I do think that we're going to have an uncertain season. Uh, And I think in the Western conference, the sports books, didn't set any team higher than a 51 and a half over under, hmm. which, you know, you know, 51, 50 wins didn't even get you to the playoffs in the West a few years ago. Like, you know, the, uh, the nuggets ended up, I think, I think they went 50 and 32 and had to, had to, you know, lost the tiebreaker or was close to that. Maybe it was 40. So like even the sports books are like, we don't know what's going to happen here this year you know i mean the lakers for example um you know everybody's excited about the Lakers because they got westbrook well you know they have 12 new players and um well some of them are coming back but you know 12 players who weren't on their roster last year and historically lebron has started slow with brand new teams even though even if it's his team that's gotten flipped over and Westbrook has started slow. He got started slow in Houston. He got started slow in Washington. Um, so, like, I could see, you know, the Lakers being very potent by April because that's the way LeBron tends to be, but being 500 in December. Of course, they have a very favorable home schedule early, so that probably won't be the case. But um, you can convince me of a lot of things, and, uh, and that's going to be the nature of the season. Now, I personally think that that's interesting um the ratings data and the history would say that the casual nba fan prefers dominating teams and it's the inverse of the nfl where people like to watch every game possible because there's a lot of parody and they don't care whether it's sort of average football and it comes down to you know 16 to to a 13 with a field goal at the after you know boring football for three quarters but you know in basketball, they really want dominating teams, you know, so some people might say this is going to be a terrible year from that perspective. and Maybe it will be, but uh, from, from the job that I have, my interest level, I think it will be interesting.
No, I'm with you. I, I want to see a good eight, 10 teams, at least vying for the title. And, and you don't know who's going to come out or going to be in the conference finals and, and on each side, because that, like you mentioned, from a coverage standpoint, makes the league a lot more fun. And as a basketball fan, I just prefer seeing it that way too. Brian, I know you're finding some downtime in your crazy schedule that you've had over the summer in the last year, year or so. So thanks for taking the time out to do this. Always appreciate having you on the podcast, man. No problem. Thanks a lot. And uh, look forward to the season. All right, that's ESPN's Brian Windhorst, one of the best in the business. That's going to wrap up this episode. Don't forget, like I mentioned off the top, you can subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And check out libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.